This episode of The Minimalist is brought to you by nobody because The Minimalists. <laughs> well, welcome, Minimizers, to The Minimalist Podcast. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are The Minimalists. Wow. We're here in oh, Salt Lake City. Yeah. Oh, you guys. I, I got to be honest with you. So, so, well, a few things. One is I accidentally wore these pants that have a hole in the crotch. <laughs> and it's the only pair of pants I have on tour. I have two pairs of pants, and, and this is the only one I brought with me. So, thankfully, Ryan and I share a pair of underwear, and I'm actually wearing the pair today. Thank Whew. God. <laughs> Here's my other confession for you, though. Legitimately, Salt Lake City is my favorite city in the country. Mm. Now, and I would live here if you didn't have winter. I'm dead serious. I would totally live here. Now, I've been a big fan of the Utah Jazz since I was a little kid, which sounds really weird from this kid from, from Dayton, Ohio. Why did he grow up liking the Utah Jazz? Well, my brother's black, so we used to pretend we were Stockton and Malone. Whenever we played basketball. And that's really the only reason. And it has stuck ever since. <laughs> but also, you have, you're, you're so blessed to have something that you probably don't even realize you have. You, you saw Nate and Scott up here earlier. And they're sort of half of this band that they formed to make the soundtracks to both of our films. It's this band called VVE or We. There's actually an argument between the members of the band itself, whether it's called We or VVE. So you can call it whatever you want, I guess. But um, thanks to Nate, I mean, he, he won't take credit for this, but you have what is legitimately the best independent music scene in the country here in, in Utah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um, when Ryan and I lived in Montana, I would all the time make the eight-hour drive down here just to go to a concert and then drive back sometimes the same night. Um, and you're, you're just really fortunate. I mean, it's not, it's just, the, you already know this. It's the most beautiful place there is. And then also some of the most amazing people on earth. I, I've, I'm stalling long enough now. We have a microphone here if anyone wants to approach it. Now, I could keep going on about how much I love Salt Lake City, but it looks like we have oh. some questions here. And I was hoping we'd talk about the John Stockton statue, but maybe another time. Oh, yeah, we, I mean, every, <laughs> I, Josh every, treats it like a Buddhist statue. He goes there every time and he puts a little <laughs> coin on the, I'm just kidding, he does not do that. <laughs> Yeah, what else? I have really long underwear. Is that a thing? I'm, I, I've even dated a few Mormon girls. Yeah. Not at the same time. <laughs> Although I'm open to that as well. Uh, looks like we have some questions here. Howdy, what's your name? Hi. Hi. My name is Yulia. Hey, Yulia. Yes, Yulia. Hi. It's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. What's Thank on your mind? Um, well, I just don't have a question, but I have a confession to make. Uh, it's always I'll stand right? my back to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love when these events just turn into confessions. It's really great. <laughs> I throw out my kids' toys all the time. Mm. I have five kids, and I do have an internal struggle with every time I do it. But, you know, it just I talk to them quite often, but I don't think they can comprehend quite well about what I'm trying to say and they're not willing to let it go. And at the same time, 
I'm the parent and I have to make some choices for them. Mm-hmm. And also it's my house as well. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. and that's the internal struggle I have. Maybe you have some kind of tips of... Yeah, let's talk about yeah. it. You mean your like four-year-old can't understand the idea of, of an opportunity cost? <laughs> <laughs> no, so they actually let me, understand I, I tried well. to do this to my daughter, Ella, when she was three. I was trying to explain uh, delayed gratification to her. <laughs> and one time she just looked at her mom. She goes, I don't understand what he's saying. <laughs> so here's the thing. Um, do, you, like, do you chew up their food and spit it into their mouth? No. Okay. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and the reason I don't do that with my daughter either is because sometimes she has to learn how to do some things on her own. And um, by getting rid of her stuff for her, by getting rid of anyone's stuff for them, which, by the way, if you uh, go home and get rid of your partner's stuff, that's called theft. So um, I know some of you were dragged here tonight, like, who the hell are these guys? And um, We're not encouraging you to get rid of other people's stuff. In fact, uh, I would discourage that because it will make the relationship much more tense. And I think the same thing is actually true with our children. Our friend Rob Bell says that we're always teaching our children, sometimes it's with words. And so, of course, you could tell them about um, what we to opportunity costs and, 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 and delayed gratification. And, and, and telling them that, even when they're at an age to understand it, they only understand it intellectually. They don't understand it in, in, in their heart, in their viscera, right? And so... I tell you, I've, I've had two really proud moments as a father in um, the last eight years. Not a great batting average. Um, but I remember one, when Ella was five, and I've never told her to get rid of her things, but she came to me one day. She, we have this donation box by our, our front door, and once a month we just take it over to the donation store and let them sort out the stuff. And um, one day she came to me and her mom with just this pile of toys. And she said, hey, I'm not playing with these anymore. And I think, I think some other kid would really enjoy playing with these toys. <sighs> now, why, why did she do that? Well, because she's seen us do this over and over and over. Yes, as the minimalist, we still get rid of stuff, right? I haven't got down to the magical perfect number of items Sometimes I acquire things, they stop adding value to my life, so I let them go. And she's seen us let them go. And when she asked, why are you getting rid of it? I explained, well, we're not getting value from it anymore. It's actually getting in the way, but someone else might be able to get value from it. Now, that's way easier to just go into her room once a month and, and take the toys out for her. But I'm not doing her, well, I wouldn't be doing her, I'd be doing her a disservice by not teaching her through the actions. And so, if anything, if you want your kids to have a better understanding of contribution, of letting go, of the tug of consumerism, it's through modeling it yourself. And eventually, you can help them, right? You can set boundaries for sure, right? But the reason they have so many toys, they didn't go out and buy them, right? You've let them come into your house. Now, some people gave them to you because gift-giving is a love language. It's another lie we've been, we've been sold, right? Literally. Um, and, uh, and so people are heaping gifts upon you, plus we bring stuff in, plus, you know what, it's just easier for me to say yes sometimes. Yes, go ahead and get it. Fine. There's a story in the book where, um, you know, whenever you leave a museum, you have to, what, exit through the gift shop. 
It's a bit ironic that we have books on the way out of this. Josh, everything we do is steeped in irony. <laughs> everything. If you do happen to pick up a book, please minimize it afterward. The book will show you how to let it go. That's a good like title for a book, actually. All right, anyway, uh, you know you have to exit through a gift shop. And so like, every time I'd go to the museum with, with my daughter, she would say, yeah, we, we go in there and like, there's this consumer frenzy. There's so much stimulation right after like really calm, nice art museum. And she'd be running through the, uh, the, the gift shop. Hey, can I, can, can, I, can, I, can I get something? And I'm like, what do you want? I don't know anything. I say, ask me tomorrow. She never asks me tomorrow because it's right there in the moment. And so I can explain delayed, I can explain delayed gra gratification to her or I can show her what it actually is. Most recently, we, um, we went to the Van Gogh exhibit that was in LA. It was wonderful. And of course, at the end, we had to exit through the gift shop. This is my second proud fatherly moment. And as we're exiting, instead of, can I get something, anything? She looked around at all these mugs and mouse pads. Who the hell uses a mouse pad? Um, and, 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 you know, like faux paintings and, and pins and glowing sparkly things with Van Gogh's name on it. And she looks up at me and she goes, do you, do you think Van Gogh would like his art on all of these things? <sighs> Thanks for your question. Thank you. Appreciate you being here. Thanks, Julia. Howdy. What's your name? Hi, guys. My name is Glenn. Hey, Glenn. Um, it's great to see you guys up close. I had to look twice to make sure Ryan had a. Uh, wasn't barefoot. <laughs> <laughs> he is wearing shoes. Yeah, for sure. My feet sweat so much. And in these, like, they're just nice and breezy and can't really wear them in the wintertime. Anyway, what's your question, That's man? <laughs> um, I've, I've used your guys' advice in the past, um, and it's, it's helped me to get over um, and let go of bad relationships. Um, but this time, I'm coming to you needing help getting, uh, well, letting go of a good one that I, did, I didn't necessarily want to end. <laughs> wow. Wow. Um. So you've had a relationship, did it end recently? Yeah, yeah. How, how recent? Uh, about a month ago. Oh, wow. Man. And this person broke up with you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Man. Ryan, you've been broken up with a lot. Oh. <laughs> Dude, it actually it made me think of this. I have, yeah, it's true. I mean, it's funny. Thank you for laughing at my expense. That's no. what a good best friend does. Oh, man, you know, yeah. I had this, it was like the summer of 2013, Missoula, Montana. <laughs> I was like, I don't know, 32 years old. It was like, I didn't have the best summer of my life until I was in my 30s. It was unbelievable. And there was this girl I was dating, um, and I was just like head over heels. And um, it lasted about a week. <laughs> Turns out she was, you know, just a man-eater, you know. You know that song? It was written about her. Anyway. Um, and it broke my freaking heart. But, you know, I, I'll try to think of something pithy here. But, you know, I really, that, like, even though it was just, like, a week, 
every single day of that week we were we were doing something we were hanging out I don't, yeah it, it just it just uh, ended pretty abruptly but I was able to look at that time and appreciate just the opportunity because I, I would have rather have had that week than nothing at all like if you were to come to me at the beginning of the week and be like dude you're gonna have the best week of your life um, but then, then she's gonna break up with you I'd be like bring it on let's do it <laughs> So there, there is something with the, able to have the gratitude for the time I did have. And I learned a lot from that relationship as well. So uh, just carrying that lesson to with, with me into the future helped me to avoid some similar pains and situations. And I'll continue thinking of something pithy as Josh answers. <laughs> I have something pithy for you, but then we'll talk about it. First off, I'm sorry, man. Um, I know... I know what grieving is like. In fact, there's a great book called Grieving is Loving by Dr. Joanne Cacciatore. She's going to be with us in two days in, in Phoenix. And um, that's where I would start if you're looking for, if you're looking to better understand your grieving and why suppressing it doesn't help. In fact, it does the opposite. That's where I'd start. There's also a wonderful book called uh, The Way to Love by Anthony DeMello. Um, here's my pithy answer for you, though. To let go is to love. Now, letting go involves what? Well, it's not something you do. Letting go is something you stop doing. You stop clinging. Now, when Ryan and I are talking about letting go, it's usually in the, the context of your material possessions, right? And so we're clinging to these things, and, and the moment I let go of it, I actually don't do anything. I just stop clinging. Now, when terms of a relationship, it's a little bit different, right? Because there isn't a physical thing to cling to. But don't we cling to people? We cling to toxic relationships. We cling to the way we wish things were. But that's not love. That's attachment. That's not good or bad. So I'm not saying you know, one, one might be preferable to you, but it's much harder to stop holding on because we've been programmed for so long that to love someone is to try to change them to need them every love song talks about how much I need you in my life baby that's not love that's clinging and so the reason that it hurts so much is because well, we had a particular expectation. Ryan had an expectation when he went into that relationship. And if his expectation would have been like, hey, this is over in a week, it would have probably actually been more fun. Yeah, you're right. I would have like soaked it in more. We have a really good friend. Ryan got his packing party idea from our friend Colin Wright. And because um, well, Colin, he was living with his girlfriend for about a year or two. And they were in Seattle. And they decided, hey, we want to go down different paths now. Sort of mutually decided. And so together they had a breakup party. And they scheduled it a month in advance. And they, he said that was the best month of their relationship. Because they knew that, wow, this thing is almost over. But it's all almost over, y'all. You think you have so much time. It's, it's ending right now. Every moment is ending, and we don't enjoy any of them because we're staring in that rearview mirror or we're looking off 
staring at some hypothetical horizon in a distant future that I hope happens one day. Well, that hope is going to hurt you. I'm not telling you not to have hope. But when we're really here in the moment, there's no need for it. There's no need for an expectation of the future. We can enjoy this right now. We can enjoy the person we're with right now. He had that breakup party, and at midnight they, they switched their Facebook statuses to single. <laughs> and they moved on. And for a long time, he spent the next several years traveling to a new country every four months, and he didn't even pick the country. His readers on his blog voted where he went next. So he'd go to Argentina or India or Iceland or wherever else in the world he was. He ended up in Wichita once. Yeah, and um, he was only there for four months at a time. And every relationship he had was meaningful, intimate or otherwise, because there was an expiration date on it. Spoiler alert, there's an expiration date on all of your relationships. And if we start realizing that, then maybe we can actually love the people who are in front of us instead of expecting something out of them. That's a little bit longer than 140 characters. Mm. Yeah, you can clap for that. Thanks. Yeah, that was... Man, when I had that realization of, like, like truly viscerally felt, uh, how long have humans been around? And, like, none of us make it out of here alive. (laughs) And, like, it was the most joyous sadness I've ever had in my life. (laughs) Because it helped me appreciate the moments that that I do have. And and it was Glenn, right? Glenn, here's the pithy answer I'll give to you is uh, the person's love you need the most is your own. That's good. Yeah, thanks for that question. Howdy. Hello. We Um, saved the best for last. (laughs) What's your name? I'm Hetty. It rhymes with spaghetti. Hetty like spaghetti? Yeah. (laughs) Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, Hetty Spaghetti. Thanks. Okay. but first, I just want to say thanks for being here. Um, I appreciate you guys being here, and I'm grateful that I get the chance to be here live because in person's always better. Um, but yeah, so my uh, I guess I'll start off by saying I listened to your shopping addi- addiction podcast. That just came out today. Yeah, I'm nice. like a good little Asian student. I like get right on it. <laughs> Me too. So, you know. So it like really resonated and I am definitely guilty of trying to seek like that thing just around the bend that'll make me feel whole or complete or make me cooler or a better person or something. Um, And I have been trying to kind of like create an understanding behind this the last couple of years. And I understand that ultimately it boils down to why. And within that why, it kind of stems into two different things. Understanding the why of, okay, why do I do this? And creating an understanding of your habits. And then the other side of that is, um, I suppose, creating an awareness as to why you want to change it and what you want to gain from changing that. And I understand that there's those two things and I've tried to you know, work on both of them. I'm sure there's a lot more I can do, but I guess I'm just feeling stuck and I feel like 
I might be missing like this light bulb moment or the flick of a switch where it's like, okay, so now I can finally become an intentional, minimal person. And I'm like wondering if that's just the wrong way to go about it. Is it, I guess my question is, is, is it something that has a moment or is it something that gains momentum like a snowball? Well, clearly it's the wrong way for you because you haven't gotten where you want to go, right? Um, and then I guess the other option is maybe it's not even something that you like attain or get there. It's not a destination, but it's more so like, and do I need to, is it that I need to cultivate a completely different mindset and like practice consistency in that and that through that it becomes a snowball effect? Sorry, I don't know if that's like a clear question. No, nah, you've been programmed with a lot of words. Well, you know, like the pithy answer that comes to my mind is, is like, you cannot think your way out of chaos. Yeah, like, yeah that's good. <laughs> oh, you that's cannot good. think your way out of chaos. Like, the only way, the only way to, to get the desire that you're talking about is to develop that desire. If you're, gonna, if you're waiting around for that desire to just hit you one day, you'll be waiting your whole life. I heard the words practice and try and do. And... I hear a lot of sort of, I hear the gears in your head, they're turning. And, and you're trying to figure out this sort of equation, right? But this isn't math, it's poetry. And, and so, here's something pithy for you, but let's talk about this for a bit. Because we're all here right now, we can, we can talk about it. Because this is a problem that everyone struggles with, right? And you're much farther along than most people. You're getting stuck though, because you're tripping over your brain. And so, um, here's the pithy thing. Because I heard about the trying, the practice, and, and the, the doing. Doing less isn't about the doing. It's about the less. And so, Hedy, you're already there. You're trying to get somewhere where you already are. And so, happiness doesn't come from addition. It always is found from subtraction, right? Now, I'm not talking about the things. That could be part of it, right? But just getting rid of the things isn't going to make you happier, right? But maybe it, maybe it clears the space to realize, like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know what? I don't have to do those things that I've been programmed to do, right? You've, by the way, you've been programmed your whole life to, well, yeah, I heard the word practice in there, right? Well, think of, when do we practice? Like who, who, who generally practices? Well, when you think of a person practicing, what are they doing? Sports, yeah. They're dribbling a basketball or throwing a football or hitting a tennis ball or whatever, right? Elite athletes don't practice, though. The most elite athletes, they simply, they understand. They know what compels them. And so, what is the problem? Why are you seeking through... Why are you seeking happiness through things or achievements or whatever else? Is because something more compelling hasn't been put in front of you yet. But as soon as you put something more compelling than the stuff, than the acquiring, than the achieving, as soon as you have something more compelling in front of you, all the other stuff will take care of itself. The how-to, the practice, the commitment. These are all nonsense words that were, were sold by sort of self-help people who don't know any better. They've also been programmed. So it's not their fault. It's not even your fault. You've been programmed by a culture 
that encourages you to practice and do more and get things done. But everyone getting everything done is miserable. And so, yeah, get all the things done and see what kind of misery it brings you. What flavor of misery do you want? Or you can let go. And you can put something in front of you that you're enthused by, that you're thrilled by, something that makes you feel so alive. And if you put that in front of you, you don't need commitment. I'm not committed to my wife. What does that mean? I have to get up every day. I can't believe I have to be in this relationship just one more day. <laughs> I'm going to get through today, one day at a time. No. I'm not committed to writing. I do it because I'm compelled to do it. Here's a question for you. What's the thing you can't not do? If you can find that, everything else will seem so trivial you won't want to do it anyway. Awesome. Thanks, Eddie. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Hey, Minimizers, Ryan and I really hope you enjoyed that minimal episode of the Minimalist Podcast live in Salt Lake City. If you'd like to come to one of our live events, it's our favorite thing that we do. You can find all 20 cities for the Love People Use Things Tour over at theminimalists.com slash tour. Find a city nearest you, U.S. and Canada. Or if you can't make it to any of those events, don't worry. You can check out our live events, all 20 20 of them will make their way over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash the minimalists, including this Thursday. We've got a maximal episode. It's the full Salt Lake City event, nearly two hours of minimalism. We go in depth with some of these questions. We want to share that with you this Thursday. You can join us and then join us for future episodes as well over there at patreon.com slash the minimalists. If you subscribe, you become a supporter. Not only do you keep this podcast 100% advertisement free, but you get access to hundreds of hours of private archives. You get our monthly Ask the Minimalist Anything sessions and our private community of thousands of open-minded minimizers just like you. You can follow The Minimalists on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at The Minimalists. Come to one of our live podcast shows at minimalists.com slash tour. If you have a question, comment, or minimalism tip, email a voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com. Comment on this episode at youtube.com slash theminimalists. And if you want our show notes in your inbox, sign up for our email list over at theminimalists.com. You'll also receive our simple Sunday newsletter for free. And if you leave here today with just one message, let it be this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed. Oh, I bet that you'll be fine without it.